0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host,
1: David Pembroke. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining us, In Transition, the podcast dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. I'm pleased to be with you once again as we bring you the insights and wisdom of some of the most interesting people working in the world of content marketing in the public sector. Today, we're joined by one of Australia's most distinguished journalists and publishers, and I have to say, a hero of mine and someone who inspired me into the media many, many years ago. But before we talk to him, our definition of content marketing, which is an adaptation of the Content Marketing Institute's definition of content marketing. So here we go. Content marketing is a strategic, measurable, and accountable business process that relies on the curation, creation, and distribution of useful, relevant, valuable, and consistent content to engage and inform a clearly defined audience, to achieve an objective with a desired citizen or stakeholder action. So today our guest is the award-winning journalist, digital communicator, and publisher of The Mandarin, Tom Burton. Tom led the digital transformation program at the Australian Communication and Media Authority, where he oversaw the rollout of a social media practice and the launch of a new enterprise website. Incidentally, the program is a model for modern government engagement. During the 2000s, Tom worked in Washington, D.C. as an online communications director at the Center for American Progress, as well as at a series of B2B digital products covering government, telcos and streaming media. He was also the former executive editor of the Sydney Morning Herald and chief political correspondent for the Australian Financial Review. Tom also worked as a ministerial advisor to the communications minister, Michael Duffy, during the 1980s. He's a regular media commentator and conference speaker on politics, communications, digital engagement and economics. Tom Burton, thanks very much for joining me in transition.
0: Thanks so much, David, and thank you for the kind words and delighted to be here.
1: Tom, what's your take on where things are at the moment in terms of the way government is using this gift of technology, which means that they can now create their own pub, their content and go direct? Uh,
0: I think just over the last sort of almost six months, you know, we certainly had have- a quite significant change uh, within the government sphere and it's been led by a series of things. But if you had to put the headline there, it's the acceptance at the top level the political system and at the top level of the public sector that the digital channel is the one that, you know, most people are going to relate to government through. And so there's been a lot of discussion um, about what that means. And you've seen things like the creation of the Digital Transformation Office in Canberra. You've seen the uh, the creation of a service New New South Wales uh, body that's very quickly taken over a lot of the interactions that agencies used to have. Uh, with customers and brought that into a modern unified you know, system, and then a real focus on you know uh, thinking about the end user, uh, which wasn't there, um, hasn't traditionally been there in government terms. So, and it's you know one thing to say end users, another thing to actually live and breathe it. And so, what that means is there's a real sense in government of, of of working from the end user backwards. You know, so it's, it says, well, who is this user? The sort of stuff I think you talk about often David around profiling and understanding that audience yeah that's the first thing you do and then from that you start to understand what their real needs are and then you build services and engagement and platforms around it now why that's had such a profound effect is because all of a sudden that that's now accepted really is the main channel mm-hmm. um, and so people are starting to say what does that really mean now for quite a while because of the whole social media play and all that, you know, departments have been playing around with various sort of engagement um, practices, but I don't think it had really percolated through at the industrial level, at the executive level, that digital is the default channel. So, um, if you're standing there in the grandstand and looking down on the playing field of government in Australia, that has really come to fore, really you know, uh, really solidly just over the last uh, six to 12 months. And you've seen also, I think, at the political level, a recognition that the old way of doing things is not not working. So you saw, you know, the government in its first, uh, the Abbott government in its first stanza really struggling to get its message out and being really gamed and, in my view, flipped over by the social media play. Um, now people call that the chattering classes, but whatever. And I'm not being ideological here. It was just that they came in and really, I think disrupted government big time. And you saw that big time, so with the first Abbott budget, um, and the government really quite hopeless at you know reacting to that. Um, and then you saw, just as an example, um, yeah, Treasury. Okay, well, let's try and open up a conversation. And all of a sudden, you started hearing ministers talk like that and say, Okay, we want to have a conversation about this and a conversation about that. And the intergenerational report was a really good example, I think, of, of Treasury, for example, you know, probably one of the more traditional departments saying, Gee, we've just got to find a different way of doing things. Um, and so they went out and probably spent far too much money. And, you know, but on the other hand, I think the intention was there to try and create a different way of engaging. And that was a, you know, a sort of proposition that says we, we can do this um, directly. We can talk in a sophisticated way, sophisticated way with stakeholders and end users, right? And we've got to start learning how to do that. So you're seeing really right into the centre of government um, an acceptance that that's the way uh, to do it. So that's at the highest level um, what I think has been happening. Um, and then I suppose to come down from that um agencies then started to say, well, how do we do this? You know, how do we in practice do that? And you're seeing a lot of agencies now doing that in various different ways. Now, some of them like, say, Foreign Affairs have set up an innovation unit. Um, some are doing it through their web, um, if you like, platforms and products. Uh, so they're really remaking them, doing much more user-centric and friendly Um and then some are sort of thinking through, uh, say, so like in Victoria, really trying to think through their processes as to how sort of big picture-wise they engage with citizens and manage all that. Yeah. You know. Now, all this sounds like a little bit Vatican City-like, and it is at one level, um, but it's important for everyone to understand that we've finally, I think, reached the point where no-one is downing the digital piece. Um, and so it now means the big opportunity is for agencies to start applying very professional practices In
1: that space so that would be my sort of headline proposition if you follow the money trail there is still large amounts of money being spent on mainstream advertising and i had it put to me again the other day that you know ministers love seeing their stories on television so i just wonder whether have we really come that far or is it the aspiration of you know people like you and i who who know it um Mm. but it's not quite permeated as as we would hope
0: Oh, exactly. Look, we were nowhere near reaching the journey. And, you know, people shouldn't kid themselves here, you know. Fifty percent of people who, re- who interact with government, if you believe the DTO figures, the digital transformation numbers, and they've done the research, um, have, a, have a very poor government experience, you know, 50%. Yeah. You'd be out of business in any other game, right? <laughs> so, and people not, you know, that's the polite version. You know, the impolite version is it's bloody awful, you Yeah. Know? So, government's selling from a long way back here and people have got to be honest about that and 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 front up to that, you know, and that implies a certain urgency. And then, as you say, if you start pressing into some areas where the money flows are, yeah, you know, we're still spending ridiculous amounts of money on these large mega campaigns. Um, politically, I think it is changing. It's changing pretty fast. And, and certainly, we've seen that, say, in New South Wales, you know, in the last 18 months, you know, New South Wales was a laggard state for many years, right? And now it emerges, probably the most interesting uh, state in the sort of digital engagement, digital transformation world. Um, Victoria's gone through a little bit of a dip, but I think it's going to come back pretty strongly. In Canberra, I still think they're, they're caught between sort of old world and new world, um, but there's a lot of agency momentum now. Um, And it's undoubtedly true that Turnbull emerging as Prime Minister uh, is shifting things very, very quickly. You know, we've set up a a Minister for Digital Government. We've got uh, data uh, thinking being centralised into PMC. So the architecture is being unified into it. And I think very, very quickly uh, people will be reconsidering a lot of these engagement uh, processes and we'll start seeing it change. Um, There's a real capability question. Yeah, you know, And in the modern world of digital engagement, um, your know, your experience and mine, I think, are pretty similar. You need a new way of um, – a new set of skills. Um, you certainly need a good public issues management skill set. You need to bring in a much, much sharper and deeper and more refined marketing headspace. So marketing bring, starts to ask what is the, who is the audience, how have you segmented them, how are you thinking about their needs, how do you build these personas? That's a marketing skill set that's typically non-existent in government. Yeah, you know, the only places that really exist in you know, some of the bigger commercial agencies, but yeah, you know, like Australia Post, but it really doesn't exist. So that's a huge gap. Yeah, you know, and we need to bring that in. We need to bring it in big time. And then the third piece, which is in progress and is in various forms, is we need really sharp digital um, communicators. You know, people who understand the technology, know how to play with it, work, know how to use it, know the tricks in the playbook. Right? And agencies are getting that, you know, um, some advanced, some mid. Um, at a general observation, it's already um, immature, but they're starting to understand that and get that in. You know? And that's uh, your classic, you know, social media producer. It's your person who understands, you know, your, the world of distribution in, in in digital media. It's the person who understands how to actually put get the content, this person understands, you know, that you take, make the content once and you distribute it through 52 different platforms and really understands, you know, professional digital media and digital engagement. So that's the third skill set. Um, and so that's they're the sort of three that need to be playing front end. And then my sort of other observation um, is all that needs to be brought into head office and put next to the CEO, you know. Why? Because it's unless it's given that sort of priority and um, top-level sort of engagement, um, it sits there as a little side game. And this is not a side game anymore. This is your main game, you know. And so you really need your executive to be absolutely in the middle of all that. Um, and at the moment, we've got far too many um, digital engagement, digital media groups sitting there as fourth tier in some corporate services division, you know, locked. Out of the main game. Yeah. It needs to be brought in, needs to be brought absolutely into the main central system. And the executive needs to live and breathe it so the confidence with it. At the moment, far too many executives are scared of it, don't understand it's a bit uh, millennial and all that.
1: Take us back to your experience, if you would, through the Australian Communication and Media Authority where you really did take on this exact challenge. So just give us some insights into what you found when you started there and then what were some of the steps that you took to start to build out that capability?
0: Well, we did a couple of things there. The first was to... Um, really trying to understand, you know, the audience. Um, and that was the critical piece. And I don't think we did that well enough. If we did it, uh, we did focus groups and we did various other things. But the modern way of thinking that very much is to drill down on just two or three key users, you know, lock them in a room for 24 hours and really understand what they, how they use a website and how they come to government um, the, the the use of focus groups is you know now considered pretty um old school. I was listening to a presentation of Stephanie Wade the other day. She runs the, the lab for the Office of People Management out of Washington, you know, a really sharp designer person, you know, based in user-based design. And she was saying, no, we're no longer using those focus groups. They just don't get the result. So you've got to find ways to be tapping deeply what you how your users are coming to you. Um and then the second piece is to understand you know what I call the eighty twenty rule, you know, so that eighty percent of the people are really after twenty percent of the content. And so once you got that feel, you say, well that's where we that's our main game, you know. And so that starts informing the design of your site, it starts informing the design of your programs, it starts thinking, getting you to understand whether you're succeeding or not. And so you really try and understand from a segmentation perspective, you know, what's going on there. My big life lesson in segmentation is if you've got any more than three, it won't work. So really you've only got three groups. And it might be what consumers, industry and government. could be as simple as that. Or it might be we just create three people who we think broadly reflect those user groups and then we build everything around that. Why? Because you can't, it's really hard to, organize around anything more than three. You know, very sophisticated companies that have been doing it for years and years have very, you know, good systems to do it. Um, typically only have about five um, so you just don't need any more. And when you do, you've been taken down a you know a classic trap, you know, overthinking it. You know, segmentation is just an is an organizing principle, you know, from my perspective. It allows everyone to understand, okay, when we're dealing with consumers and talking to them like that, guess what? You know, we're talking to them in language they understand, where the palettes are easier to use. We're just giving them top line information. When we're dealing with industry stakeholders, it's much more specialized, it's focused, it's deeper, it can be chewy of the content. So it's it's you're segmenting really just to get these broad brush ideas, you know. Um but once you're starting to do that, you're doing the thing that everyone that is really essential, which is really understanding the needs, you know, and, and how they work. Uh, and then probably the third proposition I'd say around web thinking is I would almost have a proposition that whatever you build this year, you're going to rebuild the next year. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Far too much web investment in, in, in government is like they're building cathedrals and I think we fell into that trap a bit of the ACMA. But, yeah, it is what it was um, and still is. But it, it's to say, look, we're just building this very light and we're building it quickly and then we're going to rebuild it again next year and we're going to rebuild it again the next year after the next year. And why do I say that? most government interaction is simple you know it doesn't need to be overly complex and you will then find yourself focusing on the real task which is the communication task you know whereas people get besotted by building the beautiful cathedral and having it all perfect and this is the sort of digital mantra which is you know build it fast and iterate um and so i think that's a, that takes a big change because you know people are used to building these big websites and they build them in waterfall-type ways and they take like 18 months to get there and all that. I say, so guys, make it really simple. Make it really simple um, and allow search to be your friend because you know, search will you know, let people find the stuff. So you don't have to spend a lot of time on the templates or on the design or the IA. Just take something that's really simple um, and work off that and understand what it is that people are using your website for, you know, and then from there start building out from that perspective. Um, so it is that sort of idea, you know, build a sort of base model and then just keep rebuilding it and keep rebuilding it um, and don't get sucked into the big mega build and we're going to make this thing fantastic and it's got to be perfect on day one. You know? simple IA, really simple um, design and really focus on the asset level. You know, the if you like what it is, the, the bit of communication. Homepage is almost irrelevant. You know. uh, it's a little bit of branding. You know. In fact, one big picture and a, you know, maybe a couple of jump-off points max. You know. So that sort of thinking's really got to change in government because they're very used to building the grand designs,
1: you know, type property. And, and look, in terms of then, so that's the, the strategic piece and that's some great advice. I, I, I totally agree with you around this notion of trying to narrow your personas because, again, you, you'll end up in a rabbit hole that you'll never get out of. And, you know, when you try to get too granular, you just can't, can't get there because you can't Operationalize it and you'd, you'd tie yourself in knots. Trust me, I've been there. So I yeah, totally agree yep. with you on that piece. Yes. And and great advice also there about the, the platform, because, you know, again, that's my experience is that you've just got to continue to change, test, you know, see what works, things change, technology changes. And so therefore you know, there needs to be that agile thinking there. But then once you now say, so that's the strategy in the platform, but then how then do you operationalize the, the distribution of those various communication assets? You obviously a very, very experienced journalist and it's helped you uh, in your mm-hmm. career to know, you know, what's the type of content, what's the channel, what's the timing, what's the publishing cadence. So what's your advice to people in terms of getting that bit of it Right.
0: Yeah, well, it starts to feel, and this is not a particularly original idea, it starts to feel like a a newsroom and people talk about the corporate newsroom. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the newsroom that, you know, well, first of all, it's got an editorial calendar, you know, environment that says, okay, well, what are we working on today? What are we working on for the end of the week? What are we working on for the month? And what are we working on going forward? Yeah, so you want to have that sort of infrastructure in there. That's the first really important piece, you know, because that starts to get you thinking and acting like, company you know and it gives you sort of pace and it gives you a sense of what's um how things are being planned um that editorial calendar is not just something made up you know by the media group it's got to have some sense of strategy to it um so you've got to and this is where the marketing piece comes in it's really important to sort of have decided you know top line what are the five or six and there probably can't be even more than five or six top-line sort of brand messages you're trying to deliver. Um, And so, you know, and that brand message is not a logo and it's not a tagline. You know, the tagline makes everyone feel comfortable. But what actually is it that we're trying to say? You know, so if you say the ACCC, you know, the Australian Communication, the the Competition Commission, sorry, um, it might want to say, look, we are really good at being, um, at making things competitive, you know. So that's its brand message and so it needs, that needs to be reinforced right through everything it does. You know, so it starts to thread your messaging you know, and gives it a consistency. You know. And why that's important because it might say, okay, well, um, in the design of the, um, the, your classic web page, you know, say there's the piece of content that's being created, at the bottom of it you might say you might put in, say, five other areas where we're helping competition. You know. And so the system will drag those in you know, from a web publishing perspective and pick up five other stories that are about competition, you know. And so getting these sort of high-level consistent messaging going really matters. And it sounds um, a bit crass but it, it gives you a structure, you know. Mm. It's not just all being done to the, you know, whatever the day, latest day-to-day propositions are. Um, and then you'll also marry over the top of that the obvious cycle of activity that the organisation has. It puts an annual report out, you know. You know there's a set of activities that are going to happen around that. It's probably got three or four, you know, annual pieces of reporting, a state of the nation, a special high-level report. It's got research that goes out, you know. So you put all that into a structured calendar and all of a sudden you'll find yourself populating in certain areas. And then you'll start saying, okay... Well, we don't want all that going out in one day and we want to clear a bit of clean air there and we know we've got certain areas like say so when Senate estimates are on and things like that, you just want to not be throwing out you know, your latest gee whiz idea two days before Senate estimates. doesn't make <laughs> sense. yeah. So you start looking at that in a sort of structured public affairs way. Uh, so it's really important for that sort of perspective to bring that sort of thinking you know, into the proposition. So having a good structured editorial calendar uh, that works with it and then sitting behind that equally a very good structured delivery system that says where are all the assets that you're going to be playing with yeah and this is where I think a lot of agencies really struggle and, and by the way everyone is it's not just a government issue as everyone sets up these corporate newsrooms they find actually gee it's quite hard we've got all these different artifacts we've got you know um, pictures and we've got video and we've got audio and we've got text and it's all got to be brought together and it's got to be organized, that's hard work. So you need some sort of base system that will help you manage those assets you know, and that's got high visibility in the system because all organizations, whether government or corporate, are not terribly good at managing the deadlines around content. And if you've said, look, we're going to get this piece out a week before the annual report because we want to frame up some of the messaging we've got in the annual report, well, guess what? It's a week before. So therefore, it's got to have a sort of workflow that sits behind that, that manages all that. So workflow and practices really matter, really matter. Um, you can over-engineer it. You know, There are systems out there that will do some of that for you, but it's a bit of a gap in the market. Um, and so you've got to have some sort of structure now, whether it's an Excel sheet or whether it's uh, you know some sort of bespoke system. Um, you need something there that helps manage the content. A lot of good work gets undone by just poor process. Yeah. And mm. so that you've really got to concentrate on that sort of piece. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in the actual release of it, um, you've got to be very, very um, finely tuned. Yeah. You know. So we the world of you know digital media has got a lot short life in it. And you get, you know, a very short attention span. So if you're going out, say, with a big piece of content, yeah, almost certainly the first release cycle is into the social channel, Yeah, and you might release that, say, uh, at nine in the morning into the social channel. So you're tweeting, you're Facebooking, you blogged your you're LinkedIn, whatever that other channel's saying. So might um, then be released more formally, yeah, through some sort of structured media environment. Yeah. So that might be a stand-up preference or, you yeah, know, or something. I'm sort of you know media or something like that, right. And then there's a whole set of plays that then follow that, you know, which are about the embedding of those decisions of that sort of communication. Now that might be you participating in various sort of online chit chats or whatever you're doing. Yeah. You know? So whatever the activity. So there's a whole cycle of activity that gets associated with the digital release. You know, And you've got to really understand that and see it as a cycle. You know, one of the things we found was usually the best time to release stuff was around about 10 minutes to 12, you know, midnight. right? And why? Because the big um, internet portals pick up, do a lot of their searching right, right, from being about 12 to 1.30. So if you release stuff into the system at around you know, that time, it's not highly contested. So Google News and Google Search and uh, various portals that are searching for stuff will pick it up. Nine MSN, uh news dot com, those sort of bigger news portals will just pick it up and run with it, you know. And AAP becomes your friend because they're very useful, you know, to get stuff out. And all of a sudden you're running, yeah. You know? And so by the time by the time the the early morning news producers are coming into the radio channels and to the newspapers and the other and the and the T V stations, it's already running, you know. Mm. And so they'll pick it up and off you go. So the cycle starts very much with a with a social channel and then it drives into the more traditional channels and then you've got to have a view to, how you're going to manage it through that proposition. Um, so getting much more, you know, the headline is getting quite sophisticated about your release strategy and understanding it and being quite forensic about it um, and you'll see the result. You'll see the result big time. You know? And, you know, the dirty little secret is once you start doing it, you see how powerful it is you know? <laughs> and you'll become much more effective in that space, yeah. you know, much
1: And in terms of, now that's a lot of work that's got to get done um, from the the strategic piece all the way through from the, you know, the curation, you know, the creation, the distribution. So what sort of skills do people need to have to make a contribution in this newsroom environment, you know, which will be sitting increasingly in pretty much every public sector organisation?
0: Um. Three or four of them. Um, we sort of covered them earlier. there's the what I call the, the journalistic, public affairs, public relations skill set. Um, you know, every journalist should, you know, experience all that. Yeah, you know, the, um, you know the, the divide between public relations and, you know, traditional journalism is just the most, you know, archaic dinosaur discussion. Right? Any professional person who wants to work in communications has to have worked all of them. You know? Yeah. And why? Because once you've got that. Gee, you are in a very you know, useful position to drive these sort of propositions. You know, you've got to understand the media journalism piece, you know, you've got to understand the public affairs piece, you've got to understand the public relations piece. And they're all very powerful skill sets. Um, and good people in that space get it, you know, and get it really quickly. So that's very powerful because that gives you that sense of messaging, how to ter- what the narrative is the angle to take, um, how to think about the end you know, user, all that is native to that space, but it's a combo sort of proposition. So those sort of people are gold um, in your system. The second people where there's not enough capability is the marketing piece we talked about. And the public affairs journalism piece needs to um, understand and honour that piece much more so, much more so. You know? The systems that, man, that measure this stuff and talk about the effectiveness of it and the analytics of it, and tells you whether this is all worth the effort, they're all marketing systems, right? They're all about conversions and goal setting and, you know, those sort of propositions. They're marketing concepts, right? So you need those people in and then those two camps need to be talking and working with each other. And marketing talks in in terms of campaigns and understands that and puts together the programs around that. So that release strategy we talked about is, in fact, the marketing strategy. Mm. And it's got about all pieces and understands all the pieces and manages them and systems do, that. you know, the good, good big marketing systems so automate a lot of that stuff. You know, it's got your EDMs going out, it's got your posts going out, it's got your social plays, mm. and then it measures it, manages it. So it's a combo sort of proposition. Yeah. And then the third one is the one we talked about before, which is just what I call the digital media smarts, you know, how do you do digital media, you know, what's the best way of going, and gee, I think an infographic's good. Well, how do we do that? Well, there's 62 quick programs that'll have it finished by, what time is it now, in 15 minutes, you know, and so if you don't understand those, you know, applications and what's available out there in the market, you know, you can do live webcasting brilliantly, you know, off three or four uh, apps these days, you know, so... Why are we spending you know hundreds th- or thousands of dollars on you know high level cameras and webcasting type propositions, you know, when you can either go out through Periscope or Mika or one of those, you know, that does it free, by the way, and really well and quickly. And by the way, lands into a complete um distribution crowd. So Periscope just talks straight into um Twitter. Mm. So you there all of a sudden you're getting that distribution. Meerkat, which I love, you know is fantastic because you know it's a live webcasting app on an iphone right and it's an embeddable video so it means if you're sitting there in 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 your agency and you want to bring that piece of content onto your website you just cut the embed code and off you go so that's what i mean you've got to have people who live and breathe and understand the medium you know and really excited by it and are using all the tool sets and they're moving incredibly quickly and effectively you know and so it's a really exciting time you know um and so, something you've that skill set as well. So those three, I think, are your core to your really good comms
1: engagement team. And the, and probably the last piece of the puzzle, and you have already uh, you know touched on it lightly, is really this measurement and evaluation piece, where you're you know getting the signals out of the marketplace that is obviously helping you to drive back to those original objectives that you spoke about at the beginning as well, where this is really you know, this can all be great fun and everything else, but ultimately it's got to be achieving something that's of value to the organisation linked to whatever those corporate objectives are. So what's, what's your sort of short version of, a, of, of around that analytics piece? Where, where are the things that people should be yeah. measuring? The
0: headline issue is it, it, it's very much undecided at the moment. Um, why do I say that? Undecided in that the, no one has really worked out what are the core analytics that work in content marketing. Um, in my view. We, we sort of know this to be true. It's not page impressions and it's not sessions to your website. They're proxies. They give you some idea, yeah. you know, whether they're people a are coming and whether they're going. Yeah. yeah, they give you some idea and they're sort of propositions. But if you had an engagement dashboard that said, well, how are people, and I like to call it engagement, you know, why? Because it gives a sense of people actually embracing the content and doing something with it, right? So, you know, in my game, if I, if a piece of my content gets picked up by, say, a senior treasury person and they pass it on to a senior reserve bank person, that's bingo. That's gold. Yeah. I call that, you know, absolute endorsement, right? Yeah. Now, that's what I mean. You know, how do you measure that? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, you, know, you could measure that by likes, or you could, you know, so it's a very much a work in transition. So if agencies and particularly their bosses are saying, gee, can you give me a set of metrics that tell you whether I'm working in? That doesn't exist right at the moment. And everyone, uh, the commercial world definitely. Is struggling in the space, yeah. The best piece of work I've seen in this space is done by Sitecore, you know, the people who do yep, the... Yeah, the websites, the Danish yeah, guys. And, and, yep. and to, sh- to shortcut it, they have what they call an engagement pyramid. They do two things. They look at the audience and they rate them and yeah. they say, okay, how important is each of these types of people? You know, So um, you might have certain groups you're trying to reach you know, and you literally just put numbers against them. You know, and it sounds a bit sort of... Um, mechanistic, but it does give you some way to think about it. So certain audiences are worth one. They might be just people who come and go to your website who you aren't particularly interested in, but they're useful because they touch the website. Yeah. Number five might be your really core stakeholders that really matter. Yeah. So if the department of communications, you know, your core stakeholders are probably you know, the Telstra and the broadcasters. That well, they rate really highly, right? So that gives you your segmentation number. That's a rating in the audience. And then what they do is they say they map that against a set of activities. So they say, okay, well, someone just comes to the website. We're going to give that 10. If they look at the YouTube video, we're going to give that 20. If they pass that video on to one of the other people, we're going to give that 30. And, and so you get a scorecard around the activity of the engagement activity based on the content. Mm-hmm. And you you score that against the audience, you know, so if you know, a senior official in treasury does some, gets a video and passes it on, the video is worth thirty, and the, and the senior official is worth four, and so that's one hundred and twenty points. Right, yeah. and so you start building up a scorecard.
1: Right? Yeah. Now
0: that's sort of where it's going, yeah. um, and that's that's that marketing it, that's
1: big, automation lead scoring stuff that they do. You know? it, it is exactly as it goes back to that point about. You know, understanding the marketing techniques and technologies um, because exactly. it's all there, exactly. ready to go.
0: It is, it is there, but it hasn't really been applied into this content no. piece yet. No, so no. it's very work in progress, but it is starting to happen. You know? and believe me, in the commercial world, it's it's equally immature, by the yep. way. So. Yeah, you know, at the moment in the commercial world, it, everyone's still fixated on page impressions and traffic. You know, yeah. that's traditional media um, metrics. That's not the right metric in this space. Yeah. So I'd be focusing on that. I'd keep it really simple. You know, I'd sort of have like a three or four. You know, rank rank your audience and around your segmentation. You know, so if you've got a group called consumers and you you know you think you know and you might be consumers who are real needing to engage with you. Right, so they might they might be worth two points, and then consumers who really don't engage with you but they might come to you, they're worth one. Yeah, you know? and so your system is starting to say, okay, let's rank them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? um, and you're getting some sense of that. Yeah, you know? and then thinking about the core activities within eTech uh, campaign. So, you know, if the campaign is to get them to download the intergenerational report and read it, well, that's worth 100 points. You yeah, know? and you say, well, how many people of the core audience that we wanted did what we wanted? Yeah. And all of a sudden you start getting metrics and you know, and some sort of proposition. But keeping metrics. it simple. Yeah. yeah. And then out of that you'll start changing and changing and changing. Yeah. You know? And you do that campaign it, by campaign yeah. by
1: campaign. All right, as you say, we could talk all night uh, about this stuff, and I think there are so many more conversations that we will continue to have in the days, the weeks, and the months ahead. And and I think one of the great insights I think that you've you've given to us and given to the audience through this, Tom, is that really – no one's really worked this out. Everyone, you know, everyone's learning along the way. So if you run into someone who thinks that they've got it pegged, well, listen closely, but probably they don't. And really we're in that stage now where we are all learning together, which is obviously the purpose of why we have this podcast. So we can have people like Tom Burton come on and share his wisdom with you. And Tom... Thanks very much for all those insights today. We will most certainly have you back when you're um, probably grab you into the studio when you're next in Canberra and we'll pick out an issue and dive deeply into that as we sort of all seek to learn from each other on this uh, wonderful and exciting journey. Because I think it was a great point you made that this is... This is a lot of fun, you know, doing this stuff. And really, we're, particularly in the public sector, you know, the, the ambition that we all have is to, you know, strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens. So uh, if we can be better at that, we can probably solve some of um, society's bigger problems. So thanks very much for your time today, Tom.
0: You've been listening to In Transition,
1: the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.